run in for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I just we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT the Bird. What a beautiful day out there. A little bit windy. But unless you're golfing, I can't golf with this time slot, right? Unless I'm up early. And that's not happening. Hope everybody's having a good day. Hour number two of the show. And there's a lot to get to today. So we're going to have Sam Monson from Faux Football Focus. A little bit later on in the show, America's favorite sports gambler. Bill Krakenberger will join us here in a little bit, and we're waiting on one of two guests, Ryan Harris or Tank Williams. Hopefully it's Tank. I like talking to Ryan, too. We can move him around, but Tank Williams, the former safety from the Titans, who's really good. I want to talk to him because he's with Yahoo now and does a nice job. If you're joining us late to the show, first hour, the same topic this hour, call to action. Do you believe that Derek Carr can evolve into Rich Gannon from 2000 to 2002? Very simple question. I I put out all the numbers in hour number one on Gannon and what he was able to do after being considered a journeyman quarterback, just a journeyman, a guy who couldn't get on the field much and then got an opportunity in Oakland with John Gruden and he took it to the next level. So what was ever working in his career, which got him the look, and John Gruden and Al Davis and everybody should get a lot more credit for that. That was a tremendous signing as a free agent. Remember, there was a lot of heat. I was there. A lot of heat for the Raiders to go out and get a bigger name. They went out and got Rich Gannon because they saw him in Kansas City, and then Garen exploded into an MVP and a perennial MVP candidate for three years. Well, Derek is a borderline. Sometimes he's an MVP candidate through a couple of weeks of the season, but he's not able to sustain that. He's not able to go into week 10, week 12, week 14 as an MVP candidate. Why do you think that is the case? What is the issue with that? Well, a lot of people say simply he just doesn't have the team. He doesn't have the offensive line. He doesn't have the players to help him get to the next level. Even though you don't hear Derek throwing his teammates under the bus, he would never do that. He's a great leader. Aaron Rodgers throws his teammates under the bus. Aaron Rodgers will tell the Packers last offseason that, you know, they don't have enough and do they want to win as much as him. Rodgers can't afford to say that anymore. Rodgers has run out of ammunition. Hasn't he? he what, what can Aaron Rodgers possibly say now on any topic where you would believe him? COVID? Really? You're going to go down the Joe Rogan, Aaron Rodgers role? Really? You're going to be that guy? Go ahead. All right? Then go side with him. When it comes to football, what can he do? He can't say, well, I need a better offensive line. Stop. I need better receivers. You got the best one. What are you going to say? Derek never goes down that road. Derek would like better weapons. Derek would love a better offensive line, but he works with the guys he has. But what would it take for Derek to go to the next level? What what do you think? Because he has to become Gannon. If he doesn't, then we're never going to get to the playoffs and we're never going to win a Super Bowl. We, the the Raider Nation. So if you're going to agree with me, you have to say, yes, JT. Easily Carr can become Gannon. And I'll go, okay, tell me why. Well, years of experience, maturity, Waller, Renfro, Uh, The ability to do this more, maybe get a little bit more. You know, Rich wasn't the fastest guy out there, but he liked to run more than Rich. That's for sure. He ran with more of authority 
than Carr does. But Carr's got a much bigger arm than Gannon. There were points where Gannon, I didn't think, could throw it 35, 40 yards. He could, but not with the arm that Derek has. So if you don't believe that Derek Carr can evolve into being what Gannon was, we got a problem. Because what Gannon did better than Carr is he elevated his game. That's the core of the topic. Derek's got to elevate his game to a higher level now. I believe he can. But he's not going back into the hot tub time machine. He's not getting younger. Did you see, there was one play I wanted to point out. That was a very important play. In the game with Kansas City and Buffalo, do you remember Sunday night, Mahomes taking off that first possession and running for 40 yards right up the middle? 40 yards. A big reason he could is because Kansas City runs deep routes. All those deep routes left the middle open. The Raiders' routes, they don't even run in the end zone on fourth and goal. So if Derek's going to run more, the route's got to be deeper. And guys got to get open farther downfield. I think the evolution of Darren Waller is really important. Very important that Waller has a healthy offseason and he evolves in his game to get better. And then Hunter Renfro continues to get better. Oh, my God, what's he going to do next? See what Cooper Cup's doing? Look what Hunter Renfro's doing. If there was no Cooper Cup in this league, everyone would be talking about Hunter Renfro. Cooper Cup, the triple crown winner at the wide receiver position. Uh, Should Josh Jacobs be back? I'm cool with Josh coming back again. But you got to get a younger back who's got more explosive speed and can't be brought down from behind. And then who is going to be the wide receiver? And we'll get into this with our draft coverage and whatever we're going to. I think we're all going to the Super Bowl. We're trying to get out to the Super Bowl. Q's doing an amazing job. Q, who's coming up next, is in the back office as program director trying to get us to the Super Bowl uh, during COVID, which isn't easy. But we really appreciate his efforts there. So everybody's going to have to get better. And the Raiders, with their draft pick, they got to get the offensive line. Isn't the offensive line the priority, everybody? It's got to be. It's no longer the defensive line. And Gawkwee, Mad Max. Linebackers always want a linebacker. Always want a linebacker. Secondary, I don't know. Jonathan Abram come back or not? Who they bring back? Obviously, it's going to be Trayvon Merrick. Trayvon Mullen, if he could stay healthy. Casey Hayward deserves to come back again after proving his worth. But when it comes to a wide receiver, you can't burn a high draft pick. They don't have a high draft pick. They have a pick in the 20s. I wouldn't burn that on a wide receiver. You're going to have to go get one to help out Carr. Hey, really exciting announcement. Wahoo's Fish Taco. Uh, All their locations here. They got so many locations. But I need everybody Friday night at Wahoo's on Eastern. 7 o'clock to 8.30. And I think this guy's a mega star. Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is going to be at Wahoo's on Eastern from 7 to 8.30. He's going to be signing bottles of his Dos Hombres Mezcal from 1 to 2.30 at the Eastern store, and then we'll be there for a great night. He's going to be pouring, taking pictures, and having fun. So that's uh, 10430 Southeastern Avenue in Henderson. Wahoo's Fish Tacos right there on Eastern from 7 to 8.30 p.m., And we're excited about that because it's a big deal. The bottle signing from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Dos hombres. Looking forward to that. I love Breaking Bad. Who didn't watch Breaking Bad and not love it and the role that he played on that show? So that is going to be really cool. That is on Friday. I will definitely be there with my buddies. Let's get out to Lee in Vegas. Hello, Lee. Thanks for listening to 920. What do you got? Hey, thanks, JT. Thanks for having me on the air. And, uh, yeah, I 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm an old fart. I've been 1962, four years old, pictures of me with Raider pajamas on. I watched Stabler. I watched these guys. These, weren't, these guys weren't perfect all the time. Carr has what it takes to take us where we need to be. He needs, he needs like he said, he, you need someone to work to his strength. You need someone to take advantage of his big arm. You need that speed downfield. I think a few more tweaks in our offensive line, some of our younger players like, like Leatherwood, he's getting better. Mm-hmm. He was a rookie, and he's getting better. And as these people grow, we will be – we're right on the cusp there, and we will be in the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Look at, our, look at our, our game with the Bengals. Why did we lose? Mistake after mistake after mistake. Grabbing the ball at the five-yard line before you put your foot out of bounds. Put it at the five instead mm-hmm. of 45. Mental errors. This is caused from young guys. These guys will get better. A few key places, a few key people, and a few key places, and we'll be, we'll be dominating. We'll be there. And Carr, absolutely. How many times have we watched this man walk us downfield in the final seconds? Yeah, he can that do was, that. That was, you know, that's stable. That was, you know, Saber wasn't, he, he messed up enough. But in the crunch time, he made, you know, two, three touchdowns in two minutes. Yes. You know, amazing drives. He was, he, was a, he was a crunch guy. And this is what Carr is. If you get the people behind him to accent his strengths, we'll be unstoppable. Appreciate the call. Unstoppable. Look at that. That's a pro Raider fan, man. Haven't been many of those guys around here lately. Man, on the radio, on sports radio, good to hear him. That guy is pure, hardcore, positive Raider Nation. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you. Tank Williams, kind enough to join us. A great safety from Stanford. Got his degree from Stanford. Uh, Played safety in this league at a very high level, especially for the Titans. Now with Yahoo Sports in their NFL department. Tank, good to talk to you again. I'll jump right in. Give me your big takeaway from Kansas City's comeback against Buffalo, especially with 13 seconds to go. Oh, man. You remember KG when uh, the Boston Celtics won the NBA championship? Anything is possible. Like with Patrick Mahomes (laughs) driving down the field with 13 seconds left to kick a game-time field goal and then playing keep away in overtime, like anything is possible. Like – when we watched the San Francisco 49ers play the Green Bay Packers earlier this year, and you saw 37 seconds on the clock, one timeout, you're like, eh, I think Aaron Rodgers will go down here and do this. I had like a little inkling in my mind that maybe Mahomes could do something with 13 seconds, but for the most part, 99.9% of everyone watching the game was like, this is a wrap. Like, only Mahomes in that situation was able to pull that off, and I think nine times out of ten, they don't, but we just got an opportunity to watch that magical moment where they actually did it. It was amazing. Tank, it's got to bother you a bit as a safety. You know, a safety who could stop the run and defend the pass and also play center field. When Tyreek Hill catches that 64-yarder and there are Buffalo Bills with their back to him because they're running with their receivers who they're covering and Tyreek Hill is getting the ball and no one's looking towards him. When you're the last line of defense as a safety, Walk me through Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott and what they should have been telling those safeties who were playing so bleep and deep that they had to at least pay attention to what, to what was going to happen underneath with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I mean, so if, if, if we're talking about the long play to Tyreek and the touchdown and regulation, mm-hmm. like if you're playing cover two man 
then it's the underneath corners and cover guys' responsibility to play anything underneath, take away the inside, and the safeties have to be over the top. Like, the one thing that's really tough in cover two man is stopping, like, those quick in routes, even though the corner should be playing in, and especially, like, seven routes, because usually you have to take away the inside. So they run a seven route, and then they bend it hard to the uh, sideline. That's a really tough play to stop. But Tyreek just gave the cornerback a little nod to the outside, crossed his face inside, and with everybody playing cover two man, I mean, all you have is open real estate. And the one thing that you can't coach against is speed. Like, Tyreek Hill is one of the fastest dudes in the league. And so when you get him in open space, you're trying to catch angles and all that stuff. And honestly, I mean, the dude is just too fast. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where you try to coach up how to, how to tra- take an angle to him to make mm-hmm. sure you tackle him inbounds. But, I mean, you can coach that on film. But when you're in, like, game time situation and that dude is streaking down the sideline, throwing up them deuces, like, he's tough to get down. And what do you think about Travis Kelsey not getting jammed off the line? I deal with that out here. As you know, I'm in Vegas with the Raiders every year. I say the same thing. I mean, how do you let this guy run free for 5, 10 yards and get into his route? He's only running 10 to 18-yard routes to begin with. You might as well hit him at the line of scrimmage, but how hard is that as a safety linebacker when you're trying to get a hand on him and he's got all the moves to get by you quickly? I mean, with two things. Like, on the one play to Travis Kelsey, when they had 13 seconds left in the game, they complete the really good pass to Tyree Kill, which, I mean, if they don't complete that pass to Tyree Kill, it doesn't set up the Kelsey one. But... Buffalo calls a timeout. Kelsey sees how they're going to play him. And so then basically Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes draw the play in the dirt where he's like, I'm going to go ahead and widen out that coverage guy to the outside with a little nod. And then you just hit me quick up the seam. I'm going to get as many yards as I can and then get down and we're going to call the timeout. So they basically drew that up in the dirt and then were able to execute. I mean, you can probably call a man, a zone defense, whatever it is, unless you're just bracketing Kelsey right there, which you're probably not going to do in that situation, then that's going to be a tough route to beat. Well, to stop. And then when you go to the end zone where they uh, won the game, I mean, you have a linebacker lined up on Kelsey. Like, if you're down in the red zone and I'm trying to stop one of the most dominant red zone threats in the NFL, I'm going to have one of my best coverage guys on them. And if I have to put a linebacker on them, I'm a double team. There's no way I'm going to have Milano out there and just have him covering Travis Kelsey just one-on-one. So I feel like that was a – a failure in coverage or an adjustment or whatever it was, but that just can't happen in that situation. Tank Williams is our guest. Follow all the great work he does as Yahoo Sports NFL analyst. All right, Tank, what do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers? And walk me through this because they can ask him to come back, but there's there was a lot of radio content and a lot of TV content and online content that you were involved with with him not thinking like he wanted to be there when he was in Hawaii last offseason, not that passionate about wanting to come back. Then he can't get by Jimmy G again and loses as a one seed coming off the bye week. What's next? What what elevates this story to the next level? What happens next? So I think the main issue with him, like, coming into the season is probably one of the things you kind of heard coming out of Russ in Seattle. Like, when these quarterbacks, I mean, the quarterbacks are basically kind of like the CEOs of the, of the team, you know what I'm saying? And so – when you want to have some input on what management's doing as far as hires and stuff like that, because you're the one who's like the most hands-on with these guys on a daily basis. And so you want to be able to kind of impact the decisions that the organization makes in that way. And so when they weren't involved in Aaron in those decisions, he was like, all right, well, I'm going to just go somewhere where people, you know, appreciate my knowledge of the game and, uh, and, 
And I guess what I can bring to the table as far as, like, trying to mm-hmm. tell you which players that we need to have on offense, defense, special teams, because I'm out there going against them uh, in practice and things like that. So I feel like not being acknowledged in the meeting room, that probably had him a little salty, but it seems like the dialogue is better now. But that being said, if they can't sign him and Devontae Adams, it's a new deal in Green Bay. So if they can sign him back with Devontae Adams and then give them some input on how to build that team next year in order to go win one, I think he'll stay. I mean, because I think his best opportunity to win one is in Green Bay. You don't want to go to AFC right now because you see all those young dogs. Like, do you want to face Josh Allen? Do you want to face Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow? Like, you don't want that smoke. Like, you might as well go ahead and stay in the NFC North where you have a young Justin Fields. You're going against Jared Goff. And uh, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to still be in Minnesota, but I say the path to, you know, the mm-hmm. NFC divisional round, the NFC championship round is going to be a lot easier staying in Green Bay than going elsewhere. That's for sure. You nailed that, Tank. It's the easiest place if they could all agree. And Aaron Rodgers wants to do this because he led me to believe that he's he's interested in other opportunities. Tank Williams is our guest. Tank, finally, what do you expect to see from the 49ers and the Rams? Give me a key to the game, something you're focusing on this week. Uh, turnovers and running the ball, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like both of these teams get themselves in trouble when they turn the ball over. I mean, pretty much guarantee that every game Jimmy G is going to have one of those damn it Jimmy plays where he throws the ball to the wrong guy. Uh, but that being said, he played a fairly clean game against Green Bay. They harassed him with that defensive line. He had some drops that you don't expect from Kittle, guys like that. Um, but at the same time, he played well enough for them to win the game. Special teams really bailed him out. And so I feel like if Jimmy G can play a clean game, don't turn the ball over, they can run the ball effectively. That's their recipe for success. But at the same time, They've owned the Rams like six yeah. straight wins in a row. Can yeah. you really beat a team seven times in a row and then beat them again on their home field when they have an opportunity to win and then play a Super Bowl on their home field? I feel like the narrative is just set for the Rams to finally get over the hump. And if I have to choose a team, it would be the Rams for those reasons and because that defensive line is coming out of fire right now. Matt Stafford is trying to protect the ball. You got OBJ getting off now and Cooper Cup is still doing Cooper Cup things. But – we already seen the blueprint for how the Niners could beat them. It's just can they do it seven times in a row? Wow, that's a great analysis. What great way to look at it, especially with them having home field in the Super Bowl coming two weeks behind that. Tank, it's always a pleasure. Always a great conversation. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Tank. Tank Williams, great. And he's right about that. Can the Niners do it again? Seven in a row with the Super Bowl on the line? Talked to a buddy of mine who's a Rams season ticket holder, and he said there's no way the Ram fans are selling the tickets at the way the media is portraying it. He said it was a little different a few weeks ago. It was a meaningless game in the height of COVID, so tickets were easy to come by. Not the case this week. Well, from what I'm hearing, Niner fans will do anything to get into that game, and they're all over Southern California. Niner fans are everywhere. They built that brand over five Super Bowl rings. They'll buy. They got money. They travel, and it's easy to travel within California, period. So you better find a way, if you're a Ram fan, to keep those Niner fans out. Niner fans are coming to Vegas next year, too. We'll be aware of that. We're brought brought to you by the 872 Laborers and Tommy White.
Mahomes over the middle. Cut Tyreek Kill at the 45. Angling right 40. 35. Cheetah. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Kansas City. A 64 yard touchdown. Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. That touchdown drove me crazy because the Bills linebackers had their back to Tyreek Hill. They were running downfield with other Kansas City cheap weapons and didn't see Tyreek Hill get the ball on a short pass. You had guys running with their back to Tyreek Hill. How does that happen with the number one defense in football? Nobody can explain it. What a meltdown by the Buffalo Bills. We welcome in America's favorite sports better at Crack Wins, Bill Krakenberger, who wins, is transparent. You see him on podcasts. You hear him on other shows. We love having him on. And, Bill, this last week, and I'm sure you're going to tell me, totals, unders, overs, whatever it was, was that the greatest weekend in football in your life? Hey, JT, thanks for having me on. That was uh, very exporting and very exciting. I'm sorry if you're a sports fan. Very, very exciting to watch these type of games. You may never see a weekend like that again the rest of your life where all four games are decided on the last play of the game. Uh, really exciting. Again, uh, people get caught up in the moment, though. They, they get so excited. They're, they're, they're betting all different ways to these games. And, of course, even this weekend coming up, they're going to have bets on both games. It, it, it is exciting. It just You don't want to overbet though just because these games are on tv but it's hard not to after the excitement i was in a sports book in atlantic city so i seen it with my own eyes people were going crazy people were betting the sports books cleaned up by the way you know they forget about saturday and sunday's game i mean saturday's two games when tennessee everyone in the book had tennessee it seemed like to me only people were yelling when tennessee had the ball and then the green bay with the book i was in i'm pretty friendly with the guy that runs the book they were at, they were writing tickets on a nine to one ratio. Green wow. Bay over San Fran. I mean, books killed it this week. Hey, Bill, I want to ask you that because I had a I had a buddy who had a bunch of parlays tied to Tennessee. He looked at the tennis. He wanted a bet on Saturday, so he started juicing up and getting into parlays all tied to Tennessee. He had Tennessee win it first, and then he had a couple of other games, and then Tennessee gets blown up by Cincinnati, and all of his tickets are ripped up. How dangerous is it to parlay on day one into a Saturday, Sunday, day two? Wow, you see that? Now, that poor guy, that was the you know, the, the, the early game on, on Saturday, and that, now he's off to the races, too. <laughs> now he's just firing, trying to, he's got, he's trying to chase now. And that's a, it's a common thing that happens. It's the reason why the sports books make so money. You're betting with, with, you know, outside of your bankroll, outside of your means. And, and like, look at him. I guarantee he had the late game, and he probably had something to do with Green Bay in that game, uh, like everyone else did. And, and, uh, and, and that leads to gambler ruin, gambler destruction. That's the reason why, uh, you know, people wind up needing help because uh, they can't control themselves. They get caught in the moment, you know. It, it, it's just like, like when the Brigada opened in Atlantic City. And when, even though, even though we're, we're, we're Las Vegas-based, uh, I know you are, but uh, like when the Brigada opened in Atlantic City, it was the next best thing, greater than anything else. You, went, you stepped into the Brigada with, the, with the, um, you know, the marble and the beautiful lights, and you get caught up in it. All of a sudden, you, you, you have a reason to gamble more you want to keep up with the joneses more when there's ten dollar tables everywhere the brigada had 25 it didn't matter you're still going to play same thing with these games do you think your friend or anyone else that lost those games on saturday said well you know what i lost enough money for the weekend let me just watch the game sunday as a fan no way i know gambler 
you know, the, the gambler mentality, human, human nature, just to, to, to try to chase our losses. And that's, that's the reason why these books make all the money they do. And, and gambling so much more accepted now, JT. You go any, when I grew up in the Bronx, going to a baseball game, there was no gambling. Now there's every single baseball stadium, Met, uh, you know, MetLife, um, the City Field, Yankee Stadium, there's advertisements for every single sports book. It's accepted now. It's socially accepted. It's no more in the closet, quiet, gambling's a dirty thing, evil thing. It's, uh, if it's done responsibly, like New Jersey's trying to, uh, it can be done okay, responsible, but it, it's really going to be added. We're going to see this fallout 10 years from now. And not just from the knock-around guys like myself and the people I grew up with. You're going to see doctors, lawyers. You're going to see a lot of people in a lot of trouble years from now. And, uh, but unless they listen to advice of, and not even saying listen to the games that I bet or anything, just listen to the advice of the professionals and bankroll management is the number one thing or else you're going to be ruined. You're going to be part of that number. Bill Krakenberger joins us at Crack Wins. So the NFL season, your best in decades, Crack Wins was 142.79 and 6 for 65%. You're transparent. This was 99% on totals and props. Explain that to our listeners, totals and props, instead of taking a game one side or the other and how successful you are at doing that. It took me a lot to text you that, too, because I'll tell you, I'm not a guy that brags on a record, short-term record or anything, and the NFL is being so hard to beat. But I just wanted to tell you that this is a, you know anomaly. This is a strange year in the NFL. Usually I destroy college basketball, which I am winning at, but uh, NFL has been really extreme this year for myself. I, that that's a mark, a benchmark for me to try to a level to obtain the rest of my life. This year was exactly NFL sides unbeatable. I don't know anyone that could beat NFL sides long term, not just one weekend, two weekends, or even a month. I'm talking about week in, week out, especially this year, 2021-22 football. Are you kidding me? Look at just look at the teams that we have here. You lost the number one seeds. You lost Green Bay. You lost Tennessee. Um, I can make an excuse by every single team really could have been beaten, including Tennessee, who lost to Jacksonville a few weeks earlier and took me out of the $6 million circle millions. I can make excuses for Kansas City, who barely beat the Giants six weeks ago on Monday Night Football at home, 20-17. to 17. I mean, every single team in the NFL can be beaten every single Sunday. We see it every week, year in, year out. I don't bet NFL sides. I bet totals. I bet first-half totals. I bet correlated parlays, which that means is, if, if a certain game number is high enough, you could bet a first half favor and over. It correlates as long as the sports books take it. Some don't take it, but most do. Mm-hmm. There's situations that like that myself. Of course, the proposition bets over under player props. That's where the money is. It's not on the sides. It's not something you see every day because it's, it's forced down your throat from every network about who do you like in the game this week? Who do you like in the game this week? There's so much publicized. There's so much information about it. It makes sides unbeatable. Bill Krakenberger at Crack Wins. So DraftKings stock got hammered uh, down from 74, down now to 19. And I'm thinking about all these commercials I'm seeing and how much it costs to sign up one of these new bettors. Hey, sign up. We'll give you $100 free. We'll give you 500 free. We'll give you your first bet and all of this. It's affecting the stock price. Some of these stocks are getting crushed as everybody sees the commercials on TV. They see all the funny commercials, all the celebrities coming in. There's a couple of Companies now that are getting their faces ripped off because they can't manage their business with all the t- people, all the new betters they're signing up. Tell me about this. I mean, you look at the New York Post. 24 hours ago, there was an article in the New York Post. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Win, win bet is for sale now. They're getting rid of it. They're dumping it. They, they had a 
$3 billion evaluation they had, they put on it a few months back. Now they're selling it for less than $500 million, even though they brought in, I think, Shaq. I think it's Shaq. They brought mm-hmm. Shaq in to advertise. Ben Affleck. He even sold a piece of his ownership of the team. I think it was the Kings or something. He had a little bit of an ownership of the team. He had to give that up in order to take the win bet um, job. That's unbelievable. How much money are they paying this guy? So, yeah, Ben Affleck also. There's a couple different guys that they they have such a small market share compared to the DraftKings and FanDuel. FanDuel number one in Jersey and and probably nationwide, really. Um, They spend so much money that – According to the New York Post, which I believe this is actually low, it cost them about four hundred dollars per customer to get those customers in. Well, now we're kind of seeing that fall out a little bit. We're seeing that the stock price of DraftKings nineteen dollars and change. I mean, it, it, it costs so much to get these players in there in the door because they're hanging so much great bonuses. Let me tell you, New York State, perfect example. The, the sports books have to pay fifty one percent tax of their net, of their of their net win to the state as a tax, but yet they're still offering three thousand dollars. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know people that took a car full of people from New Jersey over to the over Staten Island. Five of them all signed up with the with one of the apps. The apps gave them three thousand up to three thousand dollar match. So if you send them three thousand, they put six thousand real dollars in your wow. account. I mean. When you're giving six, when you're giving someone three thousand bucks to bet with before they even start, that's a big number. They're they're going to entice a lot of people just just to take the three thousand bucks, you know, bet the money, roll it over the one time, and, and, and literally cash out. So uh, listen, it's great for a guy like me too. I love bonuses. Trust me, I love them <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I was surprised New York was so quick to do that with that giant tax rate. But then again, you know what? It reminds me of being an old school guy back when I was in the Bronx as a kid. They used to give hash sheets to bookmakers. The local books used to, if you bring them customers, they'll give you 50% of their losses at the end of the, at the, end of the quarter, at the end of the month, the end of the year. And they still drove the Cadillacs around, so they still made money, even though they gave half their money away to a lot of the customers. So, I mean, um, it, it, there's still a lot of money to be made here. Uh, it, it really is uh, shocking, though, that these stock prices, well, the market itself is just getting, the Nasdaq's been getting killed. And in general, there's, there's just mm-hmm. no confidence in the market right now. And you really kind of scares me to be honest with you um and, and i don't i don't I, I hope i hope i'm wrong but i don't see no end uh, in near here in the future here i don't know mm-hmm. you, know, you would think DraftKings kings is a bargain at 19 dollars and change but I, I i would have to look more at you know they're the running the operation of what's going on right. there um you know they're a good company though i'll tell you one sure. thing DraftKings offers more ways to bet games than all of the casinos in nevada combined bill krakenberg as we wrap it up crack last one I want you to talk about how people manage the money in their app because what I'm doing now with some of my buddies who are always looking at their phones and they're always betting on their app. Whenever they're in a casino, they don't even bother going to the sports book. They're in the casino and they're on their app. And I say, can I see your balance? And a couple of my friends over the weekend showed me 800, showed me 1800. Another guy had 300. My point is I ask them now, how do you, how do you grab money out of your app? Because if you leave it in there, you're going to bet it until you lose it all. Everybody loses. Everybody I meet loses. So how do you manage your phone app and take some bleeping money out when you have a good run and you win some money? Fantastic subject here. Great question. Uh, You know, when you have the money in in an app, first of all, the money that goes in, deposited in the app, should not be your beer money, your dinner money, your rent money. Nothing to do with anything at all except for sports betting. Now, that doesn't even mean you actually play any, any size of the casino. I know in Las Vegas they don't have the casinos yet on the apps, but it's coming. Don't worry. It's here in, you know, on the East Coast. Um, that money has to be treated like a business. 
You only bet a percentage of your app per game, and you leave it in there until you feel you have a comfortable enough balance in there to start pulling some of your winnings down. Now, when you pull your winnings down, that winnings is not to be used for anything else. It's to be put away just for sports betting down the line, nothing else. If you don't, an idle mind is a devil's playground. You'll find live wagering to make at midnight somewhere on the last basketball game on the board. You're bored. You just have... Sometimes people on the East Coast, not maybe not in Vegas or California, but on the East Coast, when there's money in the app, there's, it's not, it's not, they're not happy until the money's gone. Then the pressure's off. They can go to bed. They're broke. That's a fascinating point. Crack wins. America's favorite sports gambler. Follow him. Be smart with your money. As I always say, bet with your wallet, not with your head. Crack, good to talk to you. It's been a while. We'll follow you at Bill Crackman, at Crack Wins. Send everybody to what you're doing. Uh, Good luck heading into the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you live from the Super Bowl. Thanks, JT. Perfect. Have a good day. You got it. Bill Krakenberger. Fantastic. He wins. He documents everything, and he wants you to win. He has no agenda. He wants you to win. He tells me off the record, tell your listeners not to get scammed. He, he's really into that, and he's not allowed to play in a lot of sports books because he wins. All right, we're flying. Love the gambling talk today. Something we're doing more and more because more and more people in Vegas are gambling, and we're in that business. From our advertisers to our listeners, we are not shying away from it. We try to give you the information so you can bet smarter and win more. Good luck with that. 702-365-9200. Sam Monson supposed to join us from Pro Football Focus. He's always good. Coming up next. We'll try to win it here from 45. Pepper snap. There's a little high pull done by Wisnowski. Robbie Gold has it away, and it is good! Robbie Gold has kicked the 49ers to victory here in Green Bay. The golden leg of Robbie Gold going to an NFC championship game. The Packers, three years in a row, now have been put out. Niners Radio, they deserve credit. The road is difficult for them. They got to go on the road. They had to beat the Rams in L.A. They got to go to San Francisco. Excuse me, they got to go to Green Bay. They win there, and now they got to go back to L.A. You imagine if the Niners make it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Speaking of that, let's welcome in Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus, the great insight, and the podcast. And, Sam, you just heard that soundbite. Let's start with Jimmy G., even though we beat Aaron Rodgers, why is he a bit shaky now? I'm looking at you on Twitter. What needs to be cleaned up going into this game against the Rams? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a now thing. I think that's just who Jimmy G is. He's a guy that's always put the ball in harm's way a lot. And the big question for the 49ers is can they avoid those costly Jimmy G mistakes? Sometimes they they show up and they get picked off and they become big problems. Sometimes he gets away with them. And for the last few weeks, he's been putting the ball in harm's way a lot. Obviously, I think his injuries that he's dealing with probably don't help. You know, when you've got an injured shoulder and an injured thumb, that's going to, to make your ability just to put the ball where you want it to go, when you want it to get there, uh, more difficult. But that's that's the biggest challenge that this 49ers offense has, is whether they can survive the mistakes that their own quarterback makes between the kind of the good production that he has over the overall he's 
second only to Burrow, I think, in yards per attempt this season. I talked to Bruce Kradkowski often through our Raiders connection as he grades quarterbacks, and I haven't reached out to him since looking at the tape of Aaron Rodgers. And what jumped out at you in the fourth quarter, third quarter, with his lack of mobility or trying to extend plays or at least taking chances compared to the Aaron Rodgers, Sam, that you saw throughout the season, which is probably an MVP season? Yeah, it was. I think he backed up that MVP campaign from a year ago with another one in this season. And you're right, he didn't look at his best in this game at all. We didn't see the big plays that Aaron Rodgers usually makes. He's He's got a style of play that it, that fits in with players like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and we saw what those two guys did this past weekend. Rodgers is well capable of all of those types of things. Um, and he hasn't reached the point in his career where he's slowing down, he's not capable of doing it anymore. That's still who he is when he's playing well, but it just didn't happen against uh, the 49ers. I think a part of it was the reshuffling they did along the offensive line when David Mm -hmm. Bakhtiari wasn't able to play. They had had Josh Nyman at at left tackle before, and he'd held up reasonably well. They didn't put him back in the lineup for some reason. They, They shuffled around, put Billy Turner in there and had... Um, Dennis Kelly at right tackle, which was a weird combination for them to do. So I'm not sure how much he trusted his offensive line to hold up. But, yeah, I, for whatever reason, Rodgers just wasn't making the plays that we've seen him make all season long. Sam Munson is our guest, Pro Football Focus. I know you were fascinated with the Chiefs, like everybody else, having the timeouts with 13 seconds left changed everything. Looking back at the prevent defense of Leslie Frazier, and what happened on that play? I was just shocked. I was shocked more that Kelsey had a free release than Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill burned him on the 64-yard touchdown. But when you, when you look at those two plays to set up the field goal, going back and forth, what still stays with you a couple of days later? I just think everything they did from the moment they scored the touchdown to go ahead was a mistake, um, starting with not making them feel the the kickoff. They kicked it out of the back of the end zone. They let the Chiefs start that drive at the 25 with all 13 seconds intact. They should have, you know, tried to lob that ball up and drop it at the one and force them to field it. Okay, you run a, a tiny risk that they will bring that back for a big play and you look like idiots, but the chances are, they're going to end up shorter than the 25, and you're going to burn five seconds. All of a sudden, you've only got eight seconds to work with, and that probably isn't enough to get it done. Um, So that, I think, was the first mistake. And then the defense that they lined up with, they just played too soft across the board. I mean, the two safeties were lined up 30 yards off the line of scrimmage. Everybody else was lined up 15 yards off the line. Um, They kind of rushed three and then had a a fourth guy as a, a spy on Patrick Mahomes, which I don't think is the worst idea in the world, mm-hmm. but they just gave the Chiefs too much. And they were they lined up kind of protecting the sideline, but the Chiefs had timeouts. Like, protecting the sideline doesn't do you any good when the team can throw the ball over the middle of the field, immediately stop the clock, and run another play. Like, they were running a defense for a situation that I don't think they were facing. And I think it's a tough spot, right? This was... I don't imagine any team has really practiced this exact scenario where the opposition has 13 seconds to get into field goal range and they have all their timeouts to work with what kind of defense you run. But whatever it is you run, it's not what they were running. Sam Munson joins us. Sam, you have the picture on your Twitter 
about that play where they bunched three to the left and Tyreek Hill that short pass. And you can see they had three linebackers lined up at the 40 as the ball was being snapped at the 25. And then the safeties that you're talking about, you were being kind. It's 30 to 35 yards. But when they jumped it off to Tyreek Hill, he had Kelsey. He had two blockers in front of him. If they lined up a linebacker in front of Kelsey and Tyreek Hill just to be there, Mahomes might have checked out of that. Mahomes, they would have had to run a different route. And Leslie Frazier didn't even give Mahomes that look, the best finisher in all of football. Yeah, and everybody was backing off at the at the snap as well. So it mm-hmm. was worse than it looked even just when you freeze it at the snap. They they just didn't force Kansas City to do anything complicated. If you run like almost anything out of the playbook, just a conventional defense, you know, any variant of cover two, cover three, whatever you want, anything that just makes it a little bit difficult for them to just force them to do something um, out of the ordinary to make a play. But the Chiefs basically just took what you gave them, and you gave them the middle of the field, and they had the ability to stop the clock once they picked up free yardage. And, you know, Buffalo just played that way, way, way too soft. Like, as difficult as it is to travel that distance in 13 seconds, it becomes a lot easier if you're literally not going to defend anything over the middle. Sam, what's your comment on Sean Payton stepping away from the Saints in the short term, maybe to broadcast? I know a lot of teams would consider trading for him, possibly the Cowboys, other markets that have open teams there. How big of a storyline is that, and especially what New Orleans does going forward? I mean, it's a huge loss for the New Orleans Saints. He's been one of the best coaches in the NFL since he arrived there. Um, I know he had Drew Brees for basically the entire duration, but you look at the the ways he won games when Drew Brees was missing late in his career, was getting injured a bit, and you know a sequence of guys came in that weren't Drew Brees and were not in the same kind of ballpark as Drew Brees, and Sean Payton kept that thing on the track and kept winning games. So I think that's potentially a massive, massive loss for the Saints. Um, you know, it, it sounds like the Bears or potentially other teams were interested in trading for him, but he wasn't necessarily interested in going anywhere else. So if that's the if that's the case, um, then he's done. He's off into retirement and won't be coaching anywhere. If he becomes available, then absolutely he would be one of the the most coveted coaching hires uh, out there. Whenever that's an option. And Sam, finally, I know you're asked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and I asked you about his performance in the game. But his next move, if it's not Green Bay, are you in the camp that it's got to be Denver? because Denver just has that need and they wanted it to work with Peyton Manning, or do you have a wild-card team? I thought it would be New Orleans until Sean Payton stepped away. No chance now with Sean Payton out there, and I'm even hearing Tennessee could be a good fit because maybe they want to get off of Ryan Tannehill. How many times can you roll Tannehill out in the playoffs with those turnovers and think you're going to have a shot to win? Yeah, I think Denver is the most obvious one. Mm. They sounded like they wanted him a year ago. They have an even more acute need now than they did uh, back then. So Denver, and they have a roster that's good enough to win if you put an Aaron Rodgers in there. I think Denver makes a lot of sense for all concerned. I'm still not 100% convinced he isn't staying in Green Bay, though. I think Rodgers is, is, it's ironic that, you know, a decade plus later, Rodgers is essentially replicating the Brett Favre playbook of we just we dither a little bit in the offseason, we make a lot of drama, ultimately we just don't want to show up to training camp and you know go through the misery of an NFL offseason. But when the 
when week one rolls around, you know, when September starts, that's when he's back under center and playing for the team he's always played for. I know the Brett Favre thing eventually ended in a, a divorce when they had Aaron Rodgers and they, they eventually determined that they wanted him to start. But we had years of this with Brett Favre before all that happened. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's going to be the case with Rodgers. He just is he equivocates and you know makes all these cryptic statements, but ultimately next year Rodgers is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers again. Yeah, and if he did that, he'd have to show he'd have to be humble and tell everybody he couldn't put the Packers Sam through all this again, right? He couldn't go get the yoga cleanse, disappear in Maui, put out cryptic stuff, and make the Packers wait the whole time. Do you think he'd be more humble? And and less uh, let his not not let his ego get in the way it did last off season or are you suggesting that could happen again just like last year? No, I think it could happen again. And you know wow. he'll dress it up as he's just looking for the team to commit to him and to buy in and be sure that this buy team in. wants to win the same way he does. But I, I think the whole thing is is kind of like a stalling tactic. Yeah, the buy-in thing. They looked all bought into me. Just didn't seem like the quarterback played well, along with the offensive line. They looked bought into me all year. Sam, always good to talk to you. Great week here with Championship Week. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. Anytime. Take it easy. Thanks. You got it. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. I mean, what what more can Aaron Rodgers say, everybody? What more can he say about, I, I want this team to be all in? Good and constant. If he says he doesn't like the GM, he doesn't like an executive, he played that card. And please correct me if I'm wrong. That's what we do with this show. We correct me when I'm wrong. Or you tweet at me or you say this or that. You call in. What card could Aaron Rodgers play that's left with the Packers? Other than being humble and coming back and say, of course I'd love to be here. I love this. I love this opportunity. It's a great place to play. I'm sorry for being a distraction. It won't happen again. Please have me back. Like Sam just said, and Sam's very well connected, that he could play these shenanigans again and disappear and then do some cryptic tweets and say certain things to only a certain few radio hosts and then make the Packers sweat it out? You can't do that. Come on. Guy just lost to Jimmy G again. Guy can't beat the Niners. Every card that he played has now been thrown in the trash can. I think he's got to be humble if he wants to come back. If not, be aggressive getting out of there. Remind everybody that it was great. And you can't wait to leave and you want to go somewhere else and get that fresh start. It's a topic that we're going to be talking about a lot. Sports media tends to beat these topics into the ground. I'm very aware of that. From LeBron James to Aaron Rodgers to all these topics, I'm very aware of when it's too much. But I don't think it's too much for Aaron Rodgers. It's a fresh topic. As we sit here, it's a fresh topic because he was just eliminated. And everybody wants to know where he's going to end up. Everybody wants to know where he's going to end up. And that's not going to die. And the best available coach now is official. It's Sean Payton, but it looks like he won't be available till next year. And you'll still have to trade for him. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Tank Williams. Sam Monson. Who else did we have, Bobby? My head's spinning. Bill Krakenberger. Jeff Sherman. Nice, from a gambling perspective. I'm on tonight. 7 o'clock, Sirius XM 82 for three hours. That's five hours a day with just Bobby to look at. And my dog at home from 7 to 10. Have a good day, everybody. Q's on deck. You never want to miss any show here on Raider Nation Radio. A lot happening here in the building. I want to thank all of our partners who give us an opportunity to be on the radio every day, and especially the great fans of the Raider Nation. Yeah.